Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. This morning, uh, allow me to share with you something that the Lord has been impressing upon my heart. And uh, we will uh, take you uh, to the book of Judges. To the book of Judges, uh, chapter 6. Verses 12 and 13. Judges, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. If you have taken your, open your Bibles, you can say, Amen. Uh, if you have turned your iPhones or your cell phone, you're looking at there, you may still say, Amen. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. We are very familiar with this story. We find ourselves here in the times of judges who ruled in Israel, about 12 of them. God gave them, God raised them up as civil and military leaders in the land of Israel. Their history happens in between, after the time of Joshua and in, uh, before the time of Samuel the prophet. Roughly, the historical period of their ministry is somewhere between mid-11th century BC to 14th century BC. 14th century BC to 11th century BC, that's the time framework around 200 to 300 years of the ministry or the, the rule or reign or the military and civil leadership that these judges have given. Some of them uh, served for a long time, some of them just barely for some months. The, in the historical context, you find that Israel is living in the settled promised land. The monarchy hasn't started yet. Kings and kingdoms haven't come yet. But a true description of the time you can find in Judges 21 verse 25. That's a true description of what is happening in this period of time. There you find in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is a powerful reminder of what was happening during the time of Judges. So throughout the book as you read you begin to see the downward spiraling, spiraling of God's people from their high spiritual position. Jo Joshua had given them the promised land. He had settled them in the promised land. But now Joshua and the generations with Joshua had all died. And you see suddenly Israel is moving towards apostasy. There is a hope for a king. That's what the verse says. There was no king in Israel. A hope was already there that a king would come, but the king hadn't come yet. So with that hope retained, they're continuing to leave. But you see, the situation is continuously out of control. People were moving away from the faith of their fathers and their mothers. 
And because they were moving away from the faith of their fathers and mothers, they were breaking covenant with God. What we found is that God was allowing them to be in servitude. God allowed them to be under to, to serve many other kings and nations around them. And when the yoke of the neighboring nations and the tribe would become too much for them, they would cry out to God. And God would raise up a judge to deliver them. So that's that's the sum total of the story of the book of Judges. This cycle had become now a vicious cycle because it was going on and on and on. It was becoming a vicious cycle. So it is in this context that you and I find Judges 6 to 8 where we find the story of Gideon, a mighty man. That's exactly what the angel of the Lord would say, a mighty man of valor. The Midianites were a people group who came and who, were over, who overpowered the people of Israel. That's what we read in verse 2. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. Think about it for a moment. God's people who should have been living in the promised land, who were given the promised land, Joshua allotted them the promised land. But now they are escaping to where? To the dens. To the mountaintops. They are finding caves and they are hiding themselves in those strongholds. Because they are too scared to live in their own promised land. In other words, you find God's people totally removed from their promised possession. When you read the story, you find this. Not only that, verse 3. And whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites. Do you know them, the Amalekites? You find them first where? In the book of Exodus, chapter 17. While Israel had just left Egypt, they were on the way to the promised land. While they were at Rephidim, the Amalekites came and they attacked the people of Israel from the back. And all the weak people who were lagging behind, they were mercilessly killed by the Amalekites. And God took a fight up with Amalekites. Joshua went into the valley to fight against the Amalekites. And Moses went up to the mountain with his hand lifted up. Aaron and Hur holding his hands together in prayer. And you find that God made there, Joshua made a decisive victory. But then God said something concerning Amalekites. I am going to completely, I mean, destroy Amalekites. And there they named the Lord, the Lord is my banner, Yehovah Nisi, in Exodus 17, you find. But now see, people of Israel are in the promised land, in their possession. But Amalekites come along with the Midianites. They are dispossessing God's people, dispossessing God's people. It's so beautiful to read as you continue to read there, verse 6. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord, cried out to the Lord. Last week I was sharing with you the cry of a psalmist in Psalm 13, where he cries out this cry, how long Lord, how long? He's waiting to find God's salvation, how long? And we said that as he was crying, as he's reaching out to God, he cried out to God in verse three, Lord, look at me, answer me and consider me, Lighten up my eyes so that I may have a vision. And we see that as we come to the last verses of Psalm 13, he said, I will sing because the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. 
Sometimes we can be in deep darkness, deep dark pit. But can I tell you, church, even in those dark, deep pits, there is much deeper than that, the love of God. Corey ten Boom's story, we all know. But Corey's story didn't start with Corey. It was her sister, Betsy ten Boom, who really encouraged Corey as they were in the Ravensbrück concentration camp during the, during the Nazi concentration camps during the Second World War. And Betsy would always say to Corey, Corey, you must go and tell the people because there is no pit that is so deep where his love cannot reach deeper than that. And he would, she would say to Corey, Corey, they will believe us because we have been there. They had been through severe persecution and trials in the middle of their concentration camp and yet they sustained because the love of God sustained them there. They were able to see that there is a love of God that goes deeper than what our pain and suffering and distress and trials are. You know, when you read this, uh, when you read this question, uh, uh, the Gideon's question, as we read, verse 12 and 13, the, the question that Gideon raised before the angel, this is a big question, isn't it? How many times we raise the same question? How do I understand the presence of God in the middle of my crisis? How do I understand? Is the Lord with us? or not. If the Lord has been with us, then why are these things happening to us? This has been the big question always for all children of God. We cannot comprehend a sovereign God and we cannot comprehend suffering along with that. Sovereign God, suffering. How do we balance that together? How can they coexist together? If we truly serve God, then bad things should not happen to us. That's exactly what Gideon is saying. If the Lord had been with us, why are these things happening to us? But you understand the story. I already laid out to you the background because an angel of the Lord came and already told them when they cried out to the Lord, thus says the Lord of Israel, verse uh, 8 onwards, I led you from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and I drove them out before you and gave them your land and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. That message is already clear, but yet Gideon is asking, why are these things happening to us? Sometimes when bad things happen to us, we assume it is because of our sin. It is because of our sin. And sometimes people assume it is because of their sin. That is one of the biggest challenge oftentimes you face. People may say that it is because of the sin that these bad things are happening in their life. Sometimes we see that as God's judgment and punishment over us, but then there are those who would say, no, God is testing me through this. And you have in Bible all these different examples of whether it is God's judgment or God's punishment or God's testing of God's people. Sometimes we begin to question, is God powerful enough to save us from this situation? Our faith is sometimes challenged in the middle of such crisis. This morning, I'm not going into the questions of theodicy through this passage, but let me share with you something the Holy Spirit impressed upon me very briefly. Number one, God gets our attention through our suffering. God gets our attention through our suffering. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, writes something like this. He says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. God shouts 
in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God gets our attention sometimes through suffering. What do we read there? The people of Israel, they were brought very low and they cried out to God to help them. They realized something in their life that only God can save us from the middle of this situation. Hallelujah. When Joshua was bringing the people or when Moses was bringing the people to the promised land, something God gave them very significantly, a message in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 18 to 20, you can read, this is what God told them. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And he may affirm, confirm his covenant that he sold to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So beautifully God had already reminded them, already told them what may happen. Yet, in spite of all those, they are leaving God and going after and worshipping other gods and goddesses. But sometimes it is through suffering. Sometimes it is through pain that God gets our attention. Sometimes, you know, when the cycle happens again and again, you begin to ask, why this is happening to me? And at that point, maybe you're lifting up your eyes and saying, Lord, apart from you, I can find no help. Apart from you, I can find no help. You know, when Gideon, the, the angel of the Lord, spoke to Gideon, the Lord is with you, a mighty man of valor. What you read, verse 13, is a kind of protest by Gideon. If the Lord had been with us, why are these things happening to us? Mm -hmm. Where are his promises? Where are his miracles? Where are his signs? Where are his wonders? Has he forgotten all those things? Where are the history lessons that our fathers have told us? I'm, I was glad when I read that again because at least he remembers that his parents had told stories of God's faithfulness in his life and he remembers that. It is always beautiful to tell stories of God's goodness and faithfulness, his might, his power to the next generation. And that's exactly what Gideon is raising up here. Where are his stories? Where are his miraculous stories that he told us? The mighty works. Church, when you and I share the stories that God had dealt with us to the next generation, that always helps the next generation. It's a big responsibility that the Lord has laid upon us. But sometimes your trial and your suffering gives you an opportunity to look to God because you realize something that only God can be your healer. Only God can be your deliverer. I still remember very vividly several years ago, we had just come to Dallas and there was an accident um, that happened to one of uh, somebody that we know and he was in the hospital and this was my first experience going to the big uh, big bailer downtown and we were there standing there when the neurosurgeon came out a pakistani man muslim i assume he came out and he said we have gone to the wall with this gentleman but now it's up to him that he only can deliver him i was surprised here is a top notch top notch neurosurgeon working in the big town Baylor, but he comes out and says, we could do all that we can do, but now our eyes are upon him because he needs to bring the healing. 
Church, this morning, can I tell you, there may be situations in life that you and I find ourselves totally helpless, inadequate, but it is in those moments that God reminds us, maybe look up to Him. He is the answer to our, all our questions. Amen? Number two, God can prepare us in any situation. God can prepare us in any situation. What does the angel of the Lord say to Gideon? The angel of the Lord is saying, the Lord is with you. Courageous warrior. That's the other translation. Courageous warrior. The Lord is with you. What is so special in Gideon that the angel saw? I'm seeing in my imagination. If you want to see, if you want to come along with me, let's, let's look at this imagination. The angel of the Lord comes and is, is totally discreet. He's totally not appearing. He's sitting by the oak tree and he's watching a man. A man who is trying to thresh his wheat in a wine press. For a long time, the angel sees him. And Gideon is not aware of that. He is not at all aware that there is somebody watching him. Blind to his eyes. And then suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And he says, young man, you have strength. Why? Because I see in you hard work, determination to save what you have little from the hands of the marauding army. I see you as an improviser. I see you as a risk taker. I see you as a determined man. I see you that you want to safeguard your family. You want to safeguard your inheritance. You want to safeguard your possession. I see you. When the Lord said to him, go in the smite of yours. You know what he said? I am, I am weak. My clan is the weakest. I cannot do this. He is able to say before God his inadequacies, his weakness. And the Lord says to him, the Lord says to him, go in this mind. You know what? The angel never answered his question. You find that? The angel never asked his, answered his question. When he said, where is God in the midst of this? Did the angel answer that? You read verse 14. Actually, verse 13, uh, uh, verse 13 doesn't even make sense. From verse 12, if you can go directly to verse 14, you know, that would be the logical, that would be the logical, uh, the next passage, why? You mighty man of valor, go in this mind of yours, and you deliver, you shall deliver Israel out of the hand of Midian. Nobody else would have seen Gideon, but God saw him. Nobody else saw him, but God saw him. Church, can I tell you something? Sometimes God is preparing you and me in the, our small surroundings, in the situations that you and I are going through. And when I started thinking about his question, you know what? The angel is already seeing that he has these questions in his heart. Every day when he's threshing it out or when he's sowing, he has these questions in his heart. God, where are your promises? God, where are you in the middle of my situation? Nobody saw his questions, but God saw his questions. And the Lord revealed himself to him. You have been carrying these this great questions in your heart every single day. But can I tell you, church, there is someone who sees you. There is someone who sees you. Amen. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Did not I send you? Sometimes you and I are waiting for favorable circumstances to reveal ourselves, no? But where we are, in the middle of that, that, that obscurity, God is preparing you and me so that he may lead you and me to the destiny to which he has called you and me. In 2005, God blessed us with a baby girl. 
Anita was working in a school at that time, a Montessori school, and because of Janet's birth, she could not go to school. Uh, she could not continue her, uh, her work. And I started looking for a job, and in our school, you know, the job was too less because it was a small school. So one day I, I went to the office and I saw there was <laughs> the job opening for a truck driver. And I said, I, and they were not asking for CDL. And I said, maybe I may qualify for that. I just started barely driving a year back. And uh, I went, uh, I called the guy, and he said, yeah, come. I went to his, his office, uh, Mark Ford Kitchen and Bath, that was a company. And I met Jack, the owner. And he looked at me, I'm actually pretty well dressed. I go to him and he said, um, he didn't even ask me my license, nothing. And he simply, he told me, okay, you can come Monday morning. I didn't know what was the nature of the job. All I saw was a truck driver. So I have some thing in my mind that a truck driver back in India, how truck drivers would do. So that is the only concept that I had in my mind. So I went, Monday morning, I went with a, with a nice T-shirt with a white slacks, okay? I went. So Ben was the other guy who was there whom I was going to relieve, and he was going to be there for two weeks. So he is there waiting to train me. So the moment I reached there, he said, Ben says, come, Satish, let's go. Hop into the truck. We hopped in the truck. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to deliver some kitchen and bath products. Oh, okay. So we go there, we pull up the truck, and now those who have lived in Pennsylvania, you know that the homes there, they may have something that has three stories. One will be the underground, then you have the, the main, and then you may have one more story. Most of the kitchens are on the top floor. Most of the kitchens. All the kitchens that I visited that year, all were on top floor. Um, so we go there and he pulled up the truck and he said, we are going to, so we walked into the kitchen and we saw there's a small plank that is laid from the floor all the way to the kitchen. And, uh, and I see the workers are going and they're trying to build, uh, rebuild it, remodel and rebuild the whole kitchen. And I go and I said, Ben, are we going to carry these uh, furnitures, these kitchen cabinets on, on this plank? He said, yes. In my life, I've not even carried 25 pounds until that time. And here I'm supposed to be carrying 50 to 100 pound worth of furniture. And Ben said, we have no dollies here. We have to carry it on our chest. I said, okay. I did that. Three hours of labor, me and Ben, we finished the entire truck and we came back. And I said, this is my first and the last day working here. Because my white slacks were all dirty by now. But somehow I kept going again and again and again. Ben relieved, Ben left, but I continued the job. There were, there were times and there were days when I, we will be de demolishing a kitchen and a bath. I have taken hammer to demolish kitchen and bath. And then I would say I would be completely covered in, 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 in the dust. And I would say, Lord, is this why you are called me? Sometimes I have to take this truck and all, go to the dump. And there were, there, there, occasionally it so happened that the hydraulic system won't work and the, the truck just went up and it just stood there and it is not all the all the debris that is collected in there from all this kitchen and bath it is not going down i had to literally go and pull all of the rubbish the the debris with my hand and i'm covered in and dust and i say lord is this why you have called me sometimes tears would be flowing through my eyes and i would cry standing there and there's sprinkler system all over the place. Sometimes I don't know whether it's tears or the sprinkler system. Something, you know, I'm getting wet. But sometimes the, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, just wait. Sometimes we are called to be in obscurity. 
in the places that we, you and I find ourselves, we may ask ourselves this hard question. But he asks, like, like, like Gideon, God has something beautiful in plan, church. God can prepare us in any situation. I don't know what is your situation this morning, but God can prepare you right where you are. Thirdly, our obedience matters to God. God gets the glory through our obedience. God gets the glory through our obedience. You know, two, Gideon's obedience is legendary. His obedience is legendary. Why? First, God told him, you must go and sacrifice your father's second bull that he has dedicated to Baal. He goes and, he goes and you know, he, he went and did that. Of course, he was a little afraid, so he didn't do it in the morning, he did it in the night. But then his second obedience was, he called the people for the battle. You know how many people showed up at the altar call? 32,000 people showed up at the altar call. We are ready to fight. God said, no, give another altar call. The second altar call. Everyone who is afraid and trembling, you can go home. 22,000 left at the second altar call. God said, I'm not even satisfied with this 10,000 that we have. Give a third altar call. Gideon said, yes, I will give a third altar call. Everyone who is drinking water, going on the knees, you can go home. Three altar calls. So left with only 300 people. 300 people. And all they took their provisions in their hands was what? an earthen pot and a torch and a trumpet. They broke the earthen pot. They allowed the torch to shine and they declared, they, they blew the trumpet. And when they shouted, they said, a sword to God and a sword to Gideon. Can I tell you, church, that's radical obedience. Can you trust God with the little that he has given? 32,000 was a big number. It's a big number. 300 is insignificant. But ask Gideon, he said, Lord, I am ready to obey even in the smallest insignificant numbers that you have given to me. This morning, church, some of us may be called to take a step, a bold step of obedience. It may look totally insane, but can you trust God this morning? And if you trust this if you trust God this morning, your obedience will glory to God. This God is saying, I don't want to give this victory by 32,000 people because then the Israel will say, by our power, we got victory over Midian. They need not have to fight that battle, isn't it? You read the story in chapter 7, they need not have to fight because these enemies, they started fighting among themselves and all they did was they went in and took the spoil. This morning, church, God gets glory through your obedience and my obedience. The broken jars symbolize the brokenness of our lives. Are we willing, are we willing and allowing the Holy Spirit to break us so that what is inside of us, the light that Jesus has given to us would be sh showcased before the world because ultimately glory belongs to God. I love several months ago, Pastor Linson spoke this and he said, you and I were not created for glory. You and I cannot carry glory. Glory only belongs to God. He is the only one who can carry glory. Hallelujah. This morning, can we find the story of Gideon and the story of God calling us to take some steps of faith? To take some steps of faith. Shall we stand to our feet this morning, church? As the worship team leads us in a time of worship, let that be your surrender this morning, Lord. I may find myself in obscurity right now. Nobody's seeing me. 
Nobody sees me, Lord. Nobody sees me. Ini arum kanan nila. Inda bagel kali jangan parai te privatore. Arum kanan dili ngelum surgam ninggalai kanan nundo. Amen. The angel of the Lord came and appeared to Gideon. And he said to him, mighty man of valor, go in the strength of yours. I have seen your weakness. I have seen your inadequacies. I know who you are. Sometimes, church, in the places, in the uncertain places and the unusual places, you and I can experience the presence of God. Are you going through pain this morning? Maybe God is calling you through your pain. Are you going through suffering this morning? Maybe God is calling you through your suffering. Are you going through questions in your life this morning? God may be calling you, getting your attention through your questions this morning. Are you willing to obey this morning and step forward in faith? He will bring glory to himself through your victories. Amen. Through the victory that he's going to give you, he will get glory. Father God, I thank you and praise you for this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Gideon's life that speaks to us. Because in Gideon's life, Lord, through Gideon's life and the testimony, we find that you take glory, O oh God. Sometimes, Lord, you set up in such positions and places where nobody else may see us, but you see us. You see the brokenness of our heart, Lord. I pray, Lord, this morning that anyone here standing here, Lord, in your presence, they have big questions before you, O oh God. Where are you, God? Where are your miracles, O oh God? Where are your testimonies, O oh God? Where is your presence this morning? Lord, you reveal yourself to them, Lord. You reveal yourself to them, Lord. In Jesus' name, church, let's continue to worship him. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.